When there's no more room in hell, the dead will listen to Bloodfest the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Bloodfest, the podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Y'all know me, know what I do for a living. I'm joined tonight, as always, by my good friend, Casey. Casey, how's it going tonight? Good, I'm happy to be here. Excited to talk to Harley about uh, some of his films. Outstanding. Also joining us live via satellite from the magical land of Kansas City is Josh. Josh, say something good. Good. <laughs> Crap, I screwed it up again. <laughs> always joining me, and as always off camera, is our director and all-around mojo haver, Joey. Joey, how's it going tonight? I, I'm I'm fanboying tonight. Uh, I'm excited because, Harley, I know you worked with my boy, my favorite actor, one of my favorite actors, Sean Whalen, and... Absolutely love him, so I, I'm inc- so happy to have you on. Joey's been stalking Sean Whalen for the last few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've talked to him all. off and on through messages and stuff, and I, he, I, I love him. So we're very excited to, to bring on a special guest, Mr. Harley Wallen. Harley is a well-known writer, director, actor, fight coordinator, just about everything you can imagine in the movie industry. Um, his most recent film, Ash and Bone, is one we all just got done watching and we're going to be excited to talk about. Also known for, t- for a TV show called Tale of Tales, Agramon's Gate, um, upcoming Beneath Us All and Finding Nicole, and dozens more. So Harley, thanks for being here. How are you doing tonight? I'm great, Nate. This uh, this is fun. I'm I'm excited to be here. And guess what? I'm also a big fan of Sean Whalen. So that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we we've loved Sean since going back to what uh, people under people the stairs. People under the stairs. Like when, yeah. when we were kids, I think we all liked him then. So yeah, and Joey's just absolutely obsessed with him. Yeah, I, I'm very yeah. obsessed with him. I I love him. He's I've talked to him off and on through chat, and he he's incredibly nice. So, yeah, he is. And it, it's funny because I, I watched a lot of his lives and he's talked about finding Nicole and how that role was just so different from any other role. And that's what drew him to it. And I, yeah. I later on, I'd love to get your take on working with Sean and his performance in that role coming up in that movie. I, well, yeah, I, I'd love to because I'll tell you, like, Sean is an actor's actor. When you think... You know, I don't know how, how well-versed you guys are, but, like, first thing that you do, usually you get your acting coach, you start class or whatever, and the first book you buy is called An Actor Prepares, and that is Sean. Sean is An Actor Prepares. He is, like, he's a special breed. Probably in between talent and, and work ethic and and just the, the what he gives to the character might be my number one person I've ever worked across from when it comes to acting, just seeing his process. He's fantastic. Uh, uh, His wife said when we saw Beneath Us All at the special screening, she said it was the first time she didn't see Sean. She just, she saw the character uh, and that's pretty cool accolades coming from his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I understand. Yeah, he's fantastic. And Finding Nicole, doesn't he play like an abusive drunk, so to speak? 
No, in, in Finding Nicole, he plays the uh, the defense attorney who oh, defends. Okay. Uh, he he defends the 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 violent uh, uh, you know the domestic violence abuse. Oh, oh okay. okay. So he plays a, a, the attorney. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Harley, I want to ask you on background here. Um, yeah. You got started in martial arts, and that's that's kind of what led you into the movie industry. Can you tell us how that how that move from being a martial artist into making movies, how that happened for you? Yeah, it was kind of a, a two-prong thing. So, so I started martial arts when I was seven, uh, but, but, but to, to go even before that, uh, my mom swears that when I was five years old, we were watching Tarzan, and I stopped in the middle of the movie, stood up and said, I'm moving to America when I grow up, and I'm going to be a movie star. And everybody just laughed. And then, you know, at 24, I, I jumped across the Atlantic to pursue this thing. And, you know, there's been some stuff that, that sidetracked me. But the, the, the first thing that got me into the, 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 the film industry or showbiz, whatever you want to call it, was I was a breakdancer. And um, I got on a, a, a cult TV show uh, that was like a cabaret-style show called Sjulstolama in Sweden. And we had musical guests each week, and, and uh, we were there to be entertainment pretty much. Uh, when they were singing and when they moved sets, uh, we would do some stuff. But instead of bringing in actors for, you know, one-liners, two-liners, and that kind of stuff, they, uh, they often came and asked us, and they were like, hey, do you guys want to do a one-liner and go buy suntanning lotion at the store? And, uh, and I was always intrigued by it. And then you start hanging out with actors and then you start finding out about methods. And all of a sudden you're like, you get so intrigued by it, you, you can't stop yourself. So that was kind of my, my way of getting in. Uh, and virtually at the same time, I ended up in a, in a bit of trouble. We got into a big old fight uh, and uh, we ended up having to make a youth against violence film. Uh, uh, as our punishment for getting into this big fight at the community center. So, so those two are the ways that I guess I landed in this, uh, uh, one via fighting and one via breakdancing. Okay, I've, got to, I've just got to say, so you were a breakdancer that got into a little trouble fighting at the community center and had to make a movie about it. That would be an <laughs> 80s movie, honestly. It should I, be, I right? I picture that. So, it's Electric Boogaloo yeah, Three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you when you first uh, came to the U.S. and got into pictures, so did you did you start doing the the uh, the fight coordination and and stunt stuff, or did you get right into acting when you got got here? So I I tried breaking in, but it was one of them things that I never realized how many people there are over here. So when when you go to an audition in Sweden there's 22 other people and you kind of stand out because there's only 10 million people in the whole country. So then I remember one of my very first auditions here was uh, at Tribeca and I, I'm walking in uh, and, uh, and I look around the room and I'm like, there's 30 people that look kind of like me. <laughs> so like, how do you stand out here is you just have to elevate your game to, to get on that level. Uh, so that was kind of, how it went but uh, it was by audition i did uh, 
uh, some stuff on Kung Fu, the legend continues up in Toronto. I did some commercials and, and those type of things. A few independence films here in Michigan, a uh, couple of things in New York. And then uh, I got sidetracked with my fight career, got sidetracked with family and put all of this stuff on the back burner because you can only juggle so many things. Uh, and then when I retired from fighting, I just knew I had to have some kind of outlet. So, uh, you know, about probably 10 years ago, I started going back into acting again and started pursuing all those things more as a hobby. And then they started taking off. So how'd you, uh, how'd you decide to make the move into writing, directing, producing that kind of thing? You know, it's funny because uh, my reasoning is probably the reason a lot of people quit. Uh, we had really good film incentives in Michigan uh, and then they stopped uh, doing them. And, and we had a pretty awful indie community at the time uh, with very little that came out of here that was of any quality at all. So it actually started with me saying, you know what, I'm the kind of guy who pays attention. So I've been watching, you know, on set. I watch what the director does. I watch what these people do. I started thinking I could probably figure out how to do this. So me and my friend Walbert, after they pulled the incentives, decided we were going to make a short film. Uh, and and you realize how much goes into making a film in the first place. So uh, made this, the first short film. Uh, I, after that, realized that I was nowhere near equipped to do this. Uh, and found out that film school takes way too long. Uh, so I had to figure out how to do this quicker. And there is a thing called Rocket Jump uh, out there that's essentially an online film school where you can study at your own pace. And that was phenomenal for me. And, and then you start digging and there's Studio Binder and master classes and everything else. So, uh, so that's kind of been what I've been doing ever since. Uh, writing has always been a passion of mine. Uh, it's... Uh, it's almost a stress relief in all honesty. I go in to uh, to do this and I just sit and I go in a bubble and I just write and write and write. But I grew up with that. I, I, I read Stephen King, Dean Coons, Wes Craven. Uh, that was like, that was what I was living on as a teen and my, through my 20s. Yeah. So a lot of your movies, I noticed there's a, there's overlapping casts. You have a, a lot of actors yes. that you like to work with a lot. So I don't know if you know Mark Savage. He's a, a filmmaker from Australia. Uh, most recent film of his is uh, Bring Him Back Dead, I think. Made a, a great movie called Purgatory Road that I'm a big fan of. I, 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 I talked to Mark quite a bit, and he has told me in the past that the way he looks at it is casting is more than half of the job of, of making the movie. And I was wondering if you, if you kind of see it that way and that's why you like to use the same actors because you know you can trust them and you feel like that takes a lot of weight off you as the director. Well, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I heard it from Tarantino said uh, casting is 90%. Uh, uh, Joe Kaczynski said it's 80%. And, and I don't know if it's quite that high, but, it, but it's definitely up there because uh, that's, that's the whole thing. Can they get the point across? Can they hit the arc? Uh, can I trust them to do their, their due diligence to prep? Uh, and, and come to table reads and do all the things that it takes to, to make a film. So uh, I definitely like knowing what I have. Uh, so that's a big part of it. Also, uh, being in Michigan, 
and 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 flying in name talent makes sense, but everything else has to be local hires just from a from a cost perspective. So at some point, there's only so many people that are at the level that that we're trying to be at. Uh, so I guess that's probably the big thing is finding people that can that can hit the ground running at, at our level. Uh, especially now that we don't have incentives in Michigan, a lot of people have moved to New Orleans and and, and Atlanta and, and and everywhere around. So uh, even Ohio has pretty nice incentives right now. I did I did not know that about Ohio. I know New Orleans really yeah. does, and I know Atlanta is just becoming like the new Hollywood at this point. Yeah, everybody's down there. I've got a I've yeah. got a buddy that's in. Uh, he does he does. Uh, properties prop design and stuff yeah and he used to be in la but he's been in atlanta for the last probably 10 years and he just works constantly there and no no need yeah. to travel when he lived in la yeah. he was traveling a lot because movies would be filmed in other places and now yeah he just stay at home and work there yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely uh, very few movies are made in in and around la anymore yeah. uh, i just looked up some of the permits um because we were talking about about shooting a, a film that was going to be split and i was like nope we'll 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 pretend we're in la and <laughs> and get uh, some other location that can pass for it but you'd be better off you know you know going somewhere else and shooting uh with with palm trees and a similar type of of yeah. uh of setting uh i i, I wouldn't do it either because it's too expensive yeah yeah so i want to ask about the the most recent film of yours that we've seen is ash and bone and so a lot of your films uh, lean toward the action, I feel like. Um, quite a few of the ones I've seen are very action-heavy. And Ash and Bone feels more, more horror, more, more direct horror. Yeah. And I was wondering if, uh, first of all, where'd that come from? Did you, uh, was that brought to you, that story brought to you? Or was it something that you had wanted to do? And do you feel like you want to lean more into the horror genre? So, so I think I probably spend most of my time in the thriller realm but more like a psychological thriller or action thriller so absolutely um as far as horror goes uh I'm, I'm a huge fan and like i said i grew up on all the the greats so uh for me i was very careful getting into horror because i know the audience and i also know that um I don't want to do everything the way everybody else has done them. Like I've had a lot of people talk about Ashenbona. I'm sure we'll get into this, but there have been people saying, why didn't you go for more gore? Why didn't you do more of this? And, and, and the answer to that is because it's been made a thousand times that way. That, that film has been made like that a thousand times. It's called wrong turn. It's called, the uh, the hills have eyes is called uh, you know there, there's a million of them so so I, I wanted to do it differently but but I was very cautious in getting into horror so me getting into horror I kind of did it um, by tipping my cap to my inspiration so Agramon's Gate was my first step in this direction uh, and it's a supernatural thriller. And uh, they, they've labeled it horror in a lot of places, which I would not agree with, even though it has aspects of it. It, it, it felt, um, yeah, it, it felt, it's definitely horror adjacent. I felt like Agramon's yes. was, was horror adjacent. I, I think what I, what I said to someone after I watched it a few years ago was, well, people never learn seances are a bad idea. 
<laughs> doing this. They never do. <laughs> but that one was the tip of the cap to a lot of the supernatural stuff that I grew up on, whether it's The Exorcist or Poltergeist or, or, or that type of films that I just, I just found those character actors. Uh, I played one in that. I played Zeb with a bald head and a dead eye and we had a whole long backstory about about how we tried to uh, to to take a demon out of my girlfriend when we were younger the girl vesna that with the dreads the fortune teller um so so that was our first attempt and that was the tip of the cap to the supernatural with ash and bone we wanted to do a tip of the cap to funny enough the the early 2000 remakes um, because for some reason they hit me differently, uh, because that was when special effects first started becoming possible. So you could actually show the gore of what happened. So the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the, uh, um, you know, the, the wrong turn films were in, in that time period. The uh, uh, Hills Have Eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah House of Wax. House of Wax. Exactly. So that was what we wanted to do, but we wanted to not just straight up do them. So we said, how about we just storytell this and make this about the human relations instead. And we're going to make this about a family, you know, falling apart at the seam and then through overcoming, you know, finding their way to, uh, to hopefully something better, uh, but, but probably not. <laughs> so uh, in, in this movie, so don't take this wrong. I, I don't want to sound yep. wrong, but when, when we look at your headshot, you yeah. look at him, and Joey said, "Oh crap, that's a guy that could kick my ass." I I, I have to say, I, when I saw your picture, I was very intimidated. Yeah, yeah. So I, Joey's like, "Oh," I was like, "You're this scary." Guy, this this guy'll hurt me. So, and, but then in Ash and Bone, you you play this this affable dad guy who just seems so exasperated and just so tired in part of it. Just like, oh god, why is this teen daughter doing this to me anymore? Do you like playing as as a big guy and imposing guy? Do you like playing that that more less physical but but more character no. character? No, no, not really. I think this one really just called for it. I remember when me Brett Miller wrote the script and when we originally talked about it, it was really funny because I said it would be funny to do something where me and my wife play husband and wife because mm -hmm. we never, yeah. we've never played that ever across from each other. And I thought that we wanted to again give give that nod to some of those earlier films, and 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 we wanted that broken family relationship. And the stereotype is you have this dominant Christian father who walks around with a cross and it just whips the everybody into shape. And that's why the kids rebel. But there's another side of why kids rebel, and it is lack of direction, lack of initiative, lack of all of those things. So with Ash and Bone, we wanted my character to be that guy who just fumbles everything because he never makes a decision and he never stands up for anything. And things just happen to him because he refuses to grab the bull by the horns. Mm -hmm. And, and take charge. So he's very, very opposite me, but but uh, but I that was what I think it called for. Yeah. So that's why we played it out that way because we wanted to do it not the stereotype Christian dad and the Bible in his hand and and uh, uh, so that that was our inspiration is to show that enabling can also lead to 
rebellion. It's just a different way. She's really trying to shake him back into giving a damn properly about the things around him because he is so afraid uh, to take a step in any direction because it could be the wrong step. He doesn't step anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, the, what is that called? An, uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. That's what he has. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Paralysis by analysis. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring that up. I was, uh, that scene where, where um, your character is sexually assaulted, uh, I was just like screaming at the, I'm like, why are you not fighting back? And, and, you got to remember who he is. You're right. It makes perfect sense. So yeah, but th that was also yeah. that was a that's a scene you don't really see told in movies a lot. So yeah, uh, that was very commendable. I, yeah. I don't recall ever seeing uh, anything like that, at least not in recent history. There, there, uh, yeah, Pulp Fiction famously has. Uh, yep. A, a, well, yeah, that is yeah, true. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. That is the one that actually this is the one that inspired me yeah. to have this in there. Uh, we okay. had a long conversation about. In today's world, is this the right scene? And, and and I said, you know what? As a guy, we see this happen to women all the time. And, and I don't know if we ever think about what it's like. So to me, flip the tables. Let's put this psycho woman with a knife on top of this imbecile who can't, you know, can't get off of his ass to do anything. Yeah. So that's kind of what we wanted to do. We wanted to, to flip the script and say, what does that feel like? Because I know just from watching it, I feel violated from watching it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah that's a, sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's definitely it's jarring. a powerful scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. my next question is, and I wanted to get back to uh, a couple of earlier things. You yeah. worked with you, you've worked with some pretty big names. Uh, Scout Taylor Compton is one that definitely comes up for me because big Halloween fan, big Rob Zombie fan. Yeah. What was she like to work with? She was literally awesome. And and I'm going to give you a quick backstory to this. So uh, Jake Busey was supposed to play that role. Really. Yeah, and and then they ended up with an accident on set of Stranger Things, and he got extended, and we literally had 10 days to replace him, and uh, I called my good buddy, the Stairmaster, Jan Birch, and I said, hey man, we have a short window, uh, I want to find somebody good, uh, you know, who do we know that will come in and, and lay down a great performance on short notice, and uh, and he said, oh, do you want somebody kind of similar, same age uh, uh, and everything? And I said, you know what? Tell me who you think would be give me the best bang for my buck. And he goes, I think Scout. And we connected and we had to rewrite it a little bit because it was a, a female that stepped in for a, for a male role. But it played so very well in that movie. I was super happy with her performance. And one thing I never knew is how much spunk she has. She has so much energy. Uh, if you watch her performance in that in, in, in Eternal Code, I said, imagine that you get placed to babysit this couple and you're normally the tech person, so you don't deal with people. And here you get stranded babysitting two needy adults that are driving you crazy <laughs> while the other two are just out doing the things we need to do because we don't want to deal with the shit either. And that's what she did. And she killed it. She's literally 
like so memorable in that film. So she's she's great in that, and I'm just having it's almost impossible to picture to picture Busey in that, honestly. Which I mean, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, if he had done it, I'm sure I would feel differently. But yeah, she she owned that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I just cannot see that. That's awesome. That really is. Yeah, super happy little quinkadink. Sometimes, sometimes the stars line up for some odd reason, and it was just not supposed to happen. So I was going to ask, what is what is your favorite of the films you've made? Oh, Oh, I know it's a mean question. I Man, that's tough. I, I will say that most fun I've had as an actor is the TV series Tale of Tales. Because okay. okay. uh, I get to play a guy who is just, he's just such an asshole. And it's fun <laughs> because I'm a nice guy and I'm, I, I, I always pay attention to, I treat people and, and, I, and I'm considerate and, and, and I'm a typical Swede when it comes to that stuff. And, uh, I play Nick, who is who owns a strip club, and he's he's not a nice dude. He just doesn't give a shit about people, and uh, he just feels like he's paid his dues to society, and he should get a lot of money and a bunch of hot women and retire on an island in the Caribbean. That's pretty much his attitude, and and it's it's a stinking human being, but it's a hell of a role to play. Oh, the bad guy. The bad guys have to be the most fun to play. They really, yes, they really have to be. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can you can see yeah. it with with a lot of actors. You can see how much fun they're having when they're just they're just playing the worst person in the world. Yeah. If I were an yeah, actor, get that's to, what I'd want to do. You get to color outside the lines. Mm-hmm. When you're a hero, you have to be so perfect and proper, and you're not allowed to sidestep. Which is cool with antiheroes, but villain man, that's that's. That's awesome. I love villains. They're they're fun. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. So you've got a couple of a couple of new films that are going to be coming out. Do you have release dates for Finding Nicole or Beneath Us? Do we know? Not uh, Beneath Us All and Finding Nicole has not yet. Uh, we just signed uh, Beneath Us All with the same uh, distributor who has Ash and Bone, and Ash and Bone is doing incredible right now. Uh, uh, so. Uh, so we're hoping to see the same thing, but uh, no dates yet. We literally signed the agreement last week, oh, okay. so uh, so it's that fresh. But we're looking at probably a summer release, uh, unless we get. Uh, uh, we we were talking about potentially doing a limited theatrical, but in today's world, uh, placements everything. So if we end up getting an original somewhere, uh, I think this film would probably do re- really well as an original. Uh, literally, Sean is amazing. Maria Olson from, uh, you know, I Spit on Your Grave and yeah. Percy and the Olympians. She is incredible in it as well. Uh, Jan plays the the Viking vampire. He's probably probably his best role I've seen him since uh, since the People Under the Stairs uh, or, or or something like that. So yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm super excited about this one because you know you get that vampire feel and and we went. Uh, the creature route mm-hmm. so it's not not a not a traditional vampire so to speak uh i thought it was a lot of fun to uh, to play around with this and it's more of a saga uh it's very uh, very pretty the cinematography is is probably the best i've ever done uh on that one as far as finding nicole it's not even completed yet oh, okay. we are i'm getting to see what should be final uh tomorrow 
uh, with music and sound design and everything else. I'm probably going to have uh, a bunch of notes, but uh, but we're really close to completing it. And what can you tell us about Finding Nicole? What is it about? It, and, it's a true story, right? Yeah, it's basically yeah. a true story. Yeah, it's a true story. It's uh, uh, a, a woman, actually, it's really weird how this happened, my, but my lawyer uh, also represented, because she, uh, this woman that this happened to, uh, she works with shelters and stuff. She has a uh, 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 thing called the Enough Initiative, which is a nonprofit that helps uh, domestic violence victims. And uh, And I found out about her story because she was signing a deal with Netflix for a documentary on this that was supposed to be a part of the I'm a Stalker series. And um, and uh, I guess that when they were looking through the agreements, it was an all rights agreement. And, uh, and my lawyer said, are you sure you want to give up all rights? If they're doing the documentary, shouldn't they just get the documentary rights? So they talked about that and, and, and they ended up getting that finalized. But my lawyer ended up putting me in connection with Nicole, uh, who was uh, the victim of domestic violence. Uh, and it was really bad. Like she multiple times could have been probably it's a miracle that she's still around, uh, oh, wow. you know. So it's it's a wild story. Inside Evil with Chris Cuomo came and covered it, and is one of their most popular uh, uh, episodes. But just a, a really tough uh, story about about domestic violence, uh, and I and I I really wanted to do this, and it's funny because my my lawyer didn't know it at the time, but I grew up in a household with domestic violence. My uh, my stepdad was. Uh, uh, when he drank, he got he got violent, and uh, I grew up with a lot of that in my house. and uh, And I I've been the guy who never said anything. I was always ashamed about it, and we couldn't really hang out and party with other people because it would end up in a fight. and And uh, and we just avoided it all together. And we all walked on eggshells if we thought he was drinking. And we just grew up with all of that. And then after I got became an adult, my mom and dad eventually separated and, and divorced. Uh, and, and he actually uh, got himself back and is healthy and uh, and, and is taking care of himself and is uh, a good dude now. But uh, but I grew up with all that baggage and I've just stuffed it in a in a backpack and just holding it down up until now. Uh, so it was an important movie for me to make because uh, Nicole had two sons or has two sons, but uh, th they were there throughout all this, and I felt me making the film could give a little bit of perspective of her boys to this story uh, so that we get, you know, her, her police reports and, and her journaling and everything else is kind of what made the film. Uh, I had a writer who, who, who wrote it and put it all together, but, uh, but giving a little bit of a, of a point of view from the kid's perspective at times because it's it's a tough thing to grow up with uh, uh you know i wouldn't want him to hit my mom so i would get in between and then uh, i'd get it and 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 it's just a it's a crappy thing and and when you look statistically speaking it's an it's it's beyond epidemic mm -hmm. uh and to think that we have just allowed this to just keep happening is is crazy to me uh because it is it is something that we have to tackle and figure out how to do this. And one of the things that I loved about Nicole's way of 
paying back is she goes to primarily high schools and she talks to young people about the red flags of an abuser, but she also talks to the young men and and helps them maybe identify things within themselves that maybe should be red flags to them so that they can seek help and tackle themselves so that they can be a better person to interact with on an emotional level in the future. And I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that because it's so easy to just put the blame on the, the guy and then, and then just throw it out with, uh, with, uh, with everything else. And, and, and I just, I feel like that's never going to fix anything. We got to figure out how, how to stop it on both sides. It's how a societal to make the, problem. You have to, you, it you, is. you have to, any crime you have to, you have to look at why does the crime happen? Not just yeah. punishing the offender. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. When I interviewed uh, police officers, uh, about this leading up to this film, uh, it sounds like this is as popular to them or as popular as, as common to them, almost a tra as traffic stops. It, it is really sad that this is a big part of what they do is to deal with family disputes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and so I don't know about Sweden, but in the U.S., not that long ago, realistically, a man beating his wife wasn't even a crime. Police didn't even yeah. get involved until, what, 40 years ago, I think? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So we've got a long way still as a society to deal with these things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, that's the same thing with kids. Yeah. You know, the, the, they, they were getting beat up at school and then beat up by the parents. And, and, uh, and uh, we got to figure out how to solve things. Uh, you know, I, I'm okay with fighting. I'm a fighter. I've fought my whole life. I'm cool with fighting. But it's two people that want to fight. Mm -hmm. Both of them want to fight. Yeah. And they should be somewhat evenly matched, uh, <laughs> yeah. not a not a big brute, uh, you know, beating on a, a on a little woman yeah. or or a little kid or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, that's a big we we brought everybody down now. What we're talking about the fun thrillers and horror films, and then we brought everyone down with domestic yeah. abuse. We do that here often. We we say yeah. something nice and then bring everyone down. Normally, it's Josh doing it though. So, guys, uh, Josh, what questions do you have for Harley? Well, I, was, um, I don't know. You guys pretty much. Covered anything that I was going to talk about. Um, I, where, did, uh, I did appreciate Nate's good at doing that. This yeah. is where Josh freezes <laughs> up and can't speak. I just start talking and I can't stop. You guys have to interrupt me. I did. I did appreciate uh, going back about um, your your character in Ash and Bone about how the um, it wasn't just the there was a whole lot more of the human side to it as opposed to just. You know, because I'm more of a wait and see kind of guy too, and I kind of yeah. kind of saw myself in that. It was like you know. Shit or get off the pot, and you know it's just yes. you know, I'm usually you know shitting. So. Yeah, <laughs> that had to get one of those in here, didn't we? I guess one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. wasn't really a question, but I just I I just kind of like that. That you I appreciate that. that. Yeah, thank you. That's important to a lot of people. Yes, Casey. What questions do you have? Um, has anybody ever told you or your wife that uh, she kind of resembles a young Jennifer Jason Lee? Oh, I see that. Do you, do you see that? No. Yeah, I, I don't know. Why, I kept thinking that when I saw her uh, in Ash and Bone. You know, it's funny. Um, I kind of see it when you say it. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. didn't think that until you said it. But yeah, I, I've seen I've seen yeah, several when, films, and yeah, I kind of see yeah. that. 
Yeah, and I would never have come up with it myself, but when you say it, I'm like, oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. That is, um, that is kind of true. And then uh, where did the name Painted Creek come from? I was curious. So we live in a small town about 45 minutes north of Detroit, and uh, in my subdivision is directed uh, directly con connected to uh, Paint Creek Trail. And literally, I spend a lot of time mountain biking that trail. Nice. So that, that's where it came from. It's kind of our little uh, uh, little getaway that's uh, right next to our house. What kind of mountain nice. bike do you ride? Uh, it's, uh, God, it's uh, uh, yellow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. I like that. I like that. I, yeah. I used to mountain bike quite a bit, but... My knees are bad now, so I don't do it as much. Oh, yeah, it is it. it is uh, more like a long, steady decline out and a long, steady incline home. Uh, so it's not a not a not a mountain trail or anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a Schwinn, though. Oh, okay, it's a good bike. Good bike. I like yeah, Schwinn. not bad. Yeah. Casey, what else? You were about to. Uh, ask yeah, yeah. The um, so the medium in um, in the you know. Agrimon's gate. Um, she kept saying, calling people share, and I. What? What is that? Oh, it's French. She, Sha. Uh, Sha. Yeah. So she, uh, we wanted to get our characters' origins. This one was really, really interesting because we literally finally decided on everything for our characters about three weeks out where she decided to be from new orleans and creole uh, so that's her dialect that she speaks and i uh was obviously a, f a french who moved uh here uh so that's what it's from so sha is uh it's uh, almost you know or um or something like that it's uh it's uh, it's just in the lingo, but yeah, I do know what you mean, though. Uh, she says uh, something cha at yeah. the end of a lot of things. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, cool. And then um, also, the ending seemed to be kind of set up for a sequel. Is there anything in the works on that, or any in the future, possibly? Well, so we were talking about it, uh, and I think, in all honesty, the sequel will come on Ash and Bone, uh, not Agramont's Gate. Agramont's Gate just did not do well enough. Uh, you know, right now, Ag or Ash and Bone, it, we are trending on Tubi as most popular horror. We, are, we have been literally for two and a half months trending on Voodoo, and now we're trending on uh, Amazon Prime as well. So, um, so this film looked like it's going to do very well financially, and we have a really good uh, sequel and prequel opportunities on this film. The sequel, obviously, with the survivors, uh, and the prequel, obviously, will focus on the McKinley's uh, origin. So. Uh, uh, and that one is probably going to be the bloodiest mess we've ever done, uh, because Great. because it just it just calls for it. If you mm -hmm. if you listen to half of the dialogue, she don't care for her dad much, 
because uh, and that's good because her mom cut him with a bowie knife mm -hmm. you know we're gonna have to show these things uh in the prequel so uh so it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloody mess i'm sure do you think we'll uh we'll see a physical release of ash and bone will we get a blu-ray is that gonna be coming yeah i know ash and, i know ash and bone is on dvd but uh, on if, DVD? okay yeah the blu-ray i i saw they have it in it's annoying it's in egypt and uk so far okay and I'm like, so I, do I have to buy a region-free Blu-ray? Can we just make one here? I think we have the factories. Uh, yeah, I hate it when things aren't coming. So I and these guys are, are well, actually Casey's worse than me. We are insane for physical media. We all, we me all too. collect the Blu-rays and the 4Ks. Me too. And it, it breaks my heart when things are on streaming. That's great. to Get it to the masses on streaming, yeah. but give me the Blu-ray. Put it out there so yes. I can buy it. I need to hold it. Please there. call them and tell them because I'm <laughs> with you on that. Yeah. Well, luckily, DVD definitely still seems to be really popular, which yeah. is just crazy. I mean, yeah. it's been around for many years, but uh, yeah, they're still selling like crazy. And then, yeah, we, yeah. Love, we love collecting the Blu-rays and the 4Ks and yeah. know, DVD if they don't have the Blu-ray available. But the... Yeah. Yeah. That, that that Especially for us, we spend the time to shoot it in 4K. We spend the time to get the... The 5.1 uh, Dolby surround. It's like, if you're gonna spend the money to do that, then then give me an opportunity to actually watch it that yeah. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And plus, yeah. that way, you know, you can't have some corporation just take it away suddenly. Because yes, that's the, that's the worst thing with streaming or or even purchasing the digital copy. Uh, I know both Apple and Disney love to every once in a while just pull things that people have purchased. So. So a, yeah. a question for you. So you're an actor. You you've been in movies and then you directed. What what's the benefit of being a director who has the experience of being an actor? What What do you prefer? Do you prefer acting or directing? And does and does being an actor inform your your methods for directing? Yeah, no, so so my my blessing is definitely that I went the the traditional route on acting. So so I studied with acting coaches and learned the different methods and the different uh inspirations for them. And that gives me an advantage when it comes to dealing with actors because anybody who deals with actors uh you know have heard the saying it's like herding cats mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's and, and, and it is it is true you know uh, uh, actors are so incredibly amazing at their craft but they're often completely all over the place in other ways <laughs> so being able to tap into their energy speak their language and and to make them understand what what the goal is <clears throat> is pretty important so that's the advantage as far as what i prefer i don't know anymore uh playing a character is uh is from a selfish perspective incredible because it's the, it's the ultimate therapy because i get to be somebody completely different than me and i get to look at all kinds of problems through completely different eyes which I learn a lot about myself from doing that and I learn a lot about my character and that broadens probably what I can play a little bit. So so I love acting because it gives you, you know, you get a break from being you mm -hmm. and that's kind of cool sometimes. 
being a director, it's the I never understood what the guy was doing up there. I'm like, these people all know how to do play their instrument. They they can put a metronome. You know what I mean? Like this is, but but I I get it now, because directing is putting all of this stuff together. If you think about it, um, uh, you know, a swivel and some clay. You put that clay in the middle and you make a vase, right? Well, when you're a director, you make that vase with a hundred hands. Oh, I like that. So, so you shape and do all this stuff, but not with your own hands. Everybody else's hands. So you have to tell them what you want. So directing is really communicating. Uh, is to communicate your vision to each person so that they can maximize that in their role or in their position, uh, whether they're a, a, a cinematographer or uh, you know, a gaffer lighting the set or a, an actor. Uh, sometimes it's about, you know, I, I, I know from an acting perspective, every now and then an actor, you know, we don't shoot stuff sequentially. So it, we shoot out all the scenes for a location or all the scenes for, a, you know, when you have named talent. And, and sometimes you can forget, you usually don't forget who you are, but you may forget where you are in the story and where you're coming from and where you're going. And those things are crucially important when you're in the middle of that scene because it's going to give your character the arc for the scene, which eventually completes the arc for the film. Mm -hmm. And I think being an actor helps you be a director because you remember that constantly because as an actor, you're supposed to remember that constantly. So I love that whole thing of, of making that vase with 100 hands because... It is a liability to have a hundred hands, but you can do things you could never do with two or three pairs of hands. Nice, I like that, I like that. So we know what the next two films are. Do you know what's coming next after those? We are right now in uh, development funding our next one. We have had uh, three uh, names on this script. We are on version two. Uh, and it was called Dependency, and now it's called uh, Alone in a Room. Uh, but we're tackling uh, mental health, uh, we're tackling opioid addiction, and, uh, and those are our two main themes uh, for our next one. Uh, it is going to be horror, it is going to be... Um, a really unique mixture of things. I, I can tell you the inspirations for this uh, would be Jacob's Ladder, oh. uh, maybe Identity, and uh, and uh, playing around in those realms. Uh, this this definitely has uh, uh, your it's a Rubik's cube. So it's the kind of film we're really testing with this one because with today's today's audience. Uh, they halfway sit with a phone and, and between the TV and the. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the kind of movie like uh, uh, you know, if you if you're doing that, you're gonna miss too many things because this thing moves too quickly. Uh, the script right now is incredible. Uh, Brett is the writer again who wrote Beneath Us All and Ash and Bone, and uh, it's it's a really really good story, and uh, and uh, it's it's. Uh, Definitely the scariest script for me to tackle from a directing standpoint because this one is uh, it's about execution all the way because uh, it, it's written in a way 
that there's only so many ways you can tell it uh, because it's it's incredibly specific and the transitions are sharp. If you remember Stranger Things, it was one of them things that each scene took you to the next scene seamlessly. And, and that's kind of how this one moves. It, it moves in that realm uh, of, of very, very smooth transitions between flashbacks, where we are now, and then the mental state uh, of the person that, that the story is about, uh, which is, uh, you know, you're coming off of drugs and, and uh, how much of it's really there. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as directing and acting, what is your favorite genre? Horror, action, comedy, what, what are you drawn to? I don't think I have a favorite genre, although I would say a psychological thriller is one of my favorites to watch. Um, but I but I love well-made horror. I love uh, uh, action thrillers. Uh, so that that's my happy place. But I did a couple of films. I don't know if you've seen them, but they're called Bennett's Song and A Bennett's Song Holiday. And they're family kind of rom-com uh, stories. And they're very, like, soft and cuddly. And I literally had a blast doing them. And we have tons of little kids and animals and all the things that you're warned not to do when you, when you direct this. <laughs> is do not. Yes, kids and animals, absolutely. So, uh, uh, but, but I, really, I really enjoyed it. I, I could not make that. If you said this. Give me one genre, and that's the only genre that you will make for the rest of your career. I would say that'll be in the thriller horror realm. Uh, that that is definitely my my happy place. Uh, anywhere from psychological thriller, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've seen a movie of mine called Abstruse, yes. but yes. I've had a lot of people say that that's almost a horror movie, and it's not a horror movie because. Uh, it's 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 a horror movie, but it's a horror movie because the suspense is is pretty dreadful, uh, you know, for for a, a very long period of time, yeah. and there are some really good jump moments and some really good suspense, um, but but that's probably, and then go all the way to, uh, I have a script that I wrote called Animus, mm -hmm. and it is I spit on your grave on steroids times steroids wow um, <laughs> wow we, we we did our first podcast on ice yeah. we all love that movie yeah. it's a hard watch for that, sure yeah it is but, that was, but it, that was probably the, the the probably the worst movie to do our first podcast yeah, about <laughs> yeah that that was harsh yeah. yeah, you just start with a Serbian film. Start left. Start <laughs> oh right. my god! <laughs> I've watched Holocaust. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> You've seen the iceberg, I guess. Yes. <laughs> well, Harley, I want to thank you so much for for coming to talk with us tonight. Any chance we can get you back on another time to talk about the next? I movie would love to. Out? Yeah, absolutely. Especially after we get the uh, the the beneath us all out, yeah. I, I I really think as well as Ash and Bone is doing, mm -hmm. I think beneath us all is significantly better. I think a lot of people um, 
are gonna really be into it, uh, especially if you can if if you like my style of storytelling. It's a little bit more gruesome than Ash and Bone in ways, a uh, little more of the kills and whatnot, uh, but it still has that storytelling aspect of you going for a ride with characters caring about them, uh, and 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 what I like is. You take a real situation and then you stick it in and you add a vampire to the mix. <laughs> so yeah. that's how you get really good stuff. Yeah. So uh, so I'd love to. Oh, okay, yeah, outstanding. You, you, you've been amazing. I, I love having you on. Yeah. And my, my dream is if I can make it happen, I'll, I'll have to see what I can do, some bribing to get you and Sean Whalen on. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. That, yeah. that would be awesome. I mean <laughs> He is incredible he, in Beneath the Soul. He he yeah, messaged he is, he messaged Did you see the trailer? He messaged Did you see the trailer? Yeah, no, but... no, I have not. I will be watching it after this though. Yeah, check it out afterwards. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah, he, he messages me every now and then. He mostly ignores me. I'm a lunatic. <laughs> but if, if we could get him and you well, on... when you say he messages you, Joey, the please leave me alone. I don't know you. That's, the that, that's mostly how it goes. I mean, he, he sent me an autograph, so, I mean, that's something. Yeah, but yeah he's I, a very cool dude. I, I would love to have you and Sean Whalen, if we can make that happen, I would love to have you both on. If I'm we can do on. that for... Uh... For, for when we release Beneath Us All, yeah. I would love it. Oh, we would, yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. We would love to do yeah. Let's aim for that. I'll, right. I'll reach okay. out Standing. to him and we'll make it happen. I'll reach out to Sean Whalen and we'll love make it. it happen. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. Can't wait to talk to you again. Uh, we're going to do our little wrap-up. Uh, this has been Bloodfest the Podcast. If you like what you see or hear here, give us a like, subscribe, maybe tell your friends about it. You can find us on Twitter at Bloodfest Pod. You can find us on YouTube at Bloodfest Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Pinterest. We're probably in a magazine under your bed. Um, so anyway, guys, for Casey, Josh, Joey, our guest Harley, and me, Nate, catchphrase. Rolls out. out. Thank <laughs> you.